Freebooters Network. Hi, this is Devin Trek with the Freebooters Network. Today we bring you another episode of the Nerd Herders. We hope you enjoy the show. I'm a nerd, and uh, I'm pretty proud of it. I know they're all thinking I'm so white and nerdy. Think I'm just too white and nerdy. Think I'm just too white and nerdy. Can't you see I'm white and nerdy? Look at me, I'm white and nerdy. Matt, you can consult with your sock puppet that you... Uh, wow. Daphne will not be coming. It's going to be all the substance. I got the best substance. Anyway. <laughs> Well, a new a new edition counts as new for purposes of this podcast. You know we keep it loose. And... It's laundry night. <laughs> She's doing her hair. Uh... We are. We are. We are. The Nerd Herders. Who's scruffy looking? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Nerd Herders. Uh, we're at episode 134 tonight. I am joined by Matt, Dave, Justin, and Ian. Uh, we'll jump right into it in just a moment, but before that, Ian has a quick word from one of our sponsors. Yes, uh, Geek Nation Tours, uh, friend of the show, longtime friend, obviously run by Terrace Cassidy, um, great guy and, and true friend to us and the show. So please head over to geeknationtours.com. Terrace is booking for all kinds of cool tours right now, especially Adepticon. That's one you want to take a look at. That'll be coming up in March of next year. That tour does sell out, so there's very limited space there. Uh, he's also got a Nottingham Minis tour, so in the UK. Uh, Star Trek, Samurai Tours, all kinds of fun things. I've been a part of the Dungeons & Dragons tour a few years ago, and obviously we interact a ton with Terrace at Adepticon. Always fun, always great people that are on the tour, make uh, make friends that last a lifetime, and just have an awesome time and not have to worry about stuff. You can go and, you know, Terrace takes care of a ton of stuff from everything from meals to at Adepticon, like making sure you got your swag bag and all your tickets to all your events. So please head to geeknationtours.com, book a tour with Terrace, and tell them the Nerd Herders sent you. All the wings report in. Red Leader standing by. Gray Leader standing by. Green Leader standing by. Luck has foils and attack positions. Let's move right on into Roll Call. We'll uh, talk a little bit what we've been doing since our uh, last episode came out. Um, seen the guys quite a bit, um, but we all do our own thing from time to time as well. Uh, why don't we start off with Matt? Oh, hey, that's me. Um, so, I mean, recently uh, I have been pretty busy with work. But uh, if I've been playing games, it's mostly been Marvel Crisis Protocol. Um, I helped host a tournament at Midgard a couple weeks ago, our local game store. That was fun. How, that how, many, and how many people? 24. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it was a, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, so there's a big tournament at, at the Las Vegas Open in January. And what they do is the last – the big tournament is an invitational tournament. So – other stores can have tournaments where you win a spot in that 
64 player tournament. And this was a invitational tournament. So I helped run, run that. Um, the guys from the professional casual network who stream MCP games actually came to the store to stream the, one of the tables during the oh, that's whole neat. thing. Yeah. So it was a lot of fun. Um, the week before that, I went to Nashville to go to a convention called NashCon to play in a Marvel Crisis Protocol tournament. How'd you do? Uh, I ended up out of 64 people, fifth overall. Oh, wow. So what do you have to do to qualify for the LVO? Have you qualified yet? Yeah, so this is what happened, right? So I signed up for a few different tournaments. Like, that's why I went to Nashville. I had a ticket for Nova last week, but I didn't go. Um, but I just won the first one at Midgard, and I had a spot, so oh, which was like four, four, five months ago. So um, that's cool. So, and that uh, LVO Las Vegas Open that's in January. So the way they can get a spot is either you win uh, one of these tournaments, which the tournament organizers contact them and say, "Hey, I want this to be a, uh, an invitational invite tournament," and then they approve it, and or. Friday and Saturday at the Las Vegas Open, they have two other tournaments where people can win spots to fill and get in the tournament on the last day, on Sunday. Oh, cool. But, but it's in January? I think so. I think that's when the uh, LVO is. I don't even know if I'm going to go, but, you know, we'll see. Oh, I should totally baby. go. It's Vegas. Yeah, it's Vegas, baby. Yeah, yeah, you know who's yeah, just out in Vegas, too, right? Well, you recommend would recommend it's been a little while since i've been out there well, that's cool matt that's uh sounds like mcp has been keeping you pretty busy that's awesome um i know it was fun kind of seeing you up on the big screen at uh adepticon um love oh, the yeah. <laughs> love the expanded marvel universe um that game just doesn't doesn't quite do it for me i know dave likes it too i like it I, and i have a ton of stuff for it and i have like all my minis are painted but i just um I haven't played a ton, and I feel like we always rag on Greg on the podcast, but it's not a ton of fun to play against someone who's really good like Greg. Um, I, that's just not – he plays so much, and he's got a more methodical, um, tactical mind for mini stuff than I do. So, like, when I've played against Ryan, and um, I think I've played against Justin, it's it's just lighter, and I, so I enjoy it, but I just – you know, a lot of my main opponents are – like, would be Matt and Greg, who are both very competitive and – um, good. But I, I have all good. the uh, all the fun event packs for it though that we could play instead. Like, well, we run, can that'll uh, that'll probably run around and get possessed by symbiotes and stuff. Oh. <laughs> that'll be good too, Ian. When we start talking a little bit about what we have been playing for mini games. Yeah, recently. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Justin, I've seen you quite a bit on Tuesdays. Anything else, uh, gaming wise, you want to talk about? So really the only thing is I picked up on Steam Marvel Spider-Man uh, Remastered, which is yes. the one for PlayStation 4 a couple years ago with the system. And I know, like, Greg really loved it. I know Matt is a big fan. But I'm only maybe 15 hours in, but I'm having a ton of fun. I've never played a Spider-Man game before except for, like, a handheld one in 1995, which was just a little LCD thing that my mom got me for Christmas. <laughs> Tiger Lake Tracks. Like, right? Tiger. Oh, man. Those yeah. are the yeah. best. <laughs> Speaking of uh, handheld, are you playing that on your Steam Deck? Uh, I am. Um, it runs really, really well. Uh, I've been playing it out on the three season, trying to enjoy the weather. And yeah, it's a lot of fun. That's cool. That Steam Deck's pretty neat, huh? Oh yeah. It, uh, I have practically my entire Steam library on there and it plays everything great. Um, so yeah, it's nice. To, like my office 
I live in a very old house, so my office gets very warm. So it's nice to head out by the pool or something in the backyard or on the three season and play out there. That's pretty sweet. That's yep. pretty sweet. Dave, how about you? Anything you want to add? No, I've been just doing the, I mean, hobby wise, just trying to do a lot of painting. I feel like terrain's been coming across the table a lot, but, um, but you have a new space to work on that, don't you? I do. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and actually even organizing the space has been an ongoing project. I just bought, uh, I just bought a tool cabinet with, um, some four inch, um, nice like ball bearing drawers, um, and moved all of my paint into one and all of my other painting stuff, like, uh, just different, you know, like I made a little spot for all my brushes and all my hobby holders and different painting things. Um, but no, I, I don't think I've done, I haven't done any mini, well, really much gaming other than hanging out at your place. Um, Christian has been doing some board game nights on Fridays. So I've been going down to a couple of those, but I haven't been to a game store, played a game in a game store, I think in like at least six months, if not longer. And Ian, I know you've been hanging out uh, with us quite a bit on Tuesdays as well, but anything else? I did just get back from Dragon Con oh, in yeah. Atlanta on Labor Day weekend. Um, had a great time. They still capped attendance. The highest attendance ever was 2019, which was 85,000 people. They capped it at, I believe, around 60,000 this year. Um, and there, there was a mask mandate, I will say, like in the, it, it's difficult to enforce in like the common areas of the hotels where everybody congregates for like cosplay and stuff. It was, you know, mask use was maybe 50% at best, but, um, in the smaller areas like, uh, the vendor halls and, uh, any of the panels that you went to, they did enforce it pretty well. So, and I've, I've tested like three times since I came back and I, I thankfully did not get COVID knock on wood. Um, so, so that was good. I think it'll be back to, you know, no mask mandates or anything next year. Um, and I am hopeful that uh, some of my nerd herder friends will will be there for me. I'm trying to guilt you guys into going because it's it'll be right on the heels of my 50th birthday. So I don't um, think you have to guilt us. I think you just by saying it's your 50th birthday and you'd like us to come. That's not guilt. Yeah, well I, I know, but I say I say I'd like you to, guys to come every year. But <laughs> at least with this one, I'm like, come on. Like okay. like Dave oh, and I were texting about it, and I was like I was like, come on, it's my 50th. How many more of these do I have? Birthdays in general. Yeah. Uh, that's true. Maybe not yeah. that many. So <laughs> this is literally like your peak here. Like yeah, I mean it's it's on the. I'm not making it to a hundred, so it's definitely on the on the. Uh, I don't know, Ian. The miracles of modern medicine. You <laughs> it's true. Yeah, be a head yeah. in a jar. But um, no, I had a great time. Uh, and um, I, you know, I always do, and I bought some cool stuff. I so after I completed my run of the original Conan Marvel series, all 275 issues. I then turned my attention to a few other series, but uh, for Conan, I wanted to get the annuals and then the king size issues, and I was able to pick up four of those that I needed at Dragon Con and a better copy of Conan number three, which is one of the rarest issues of the original Conan run, and I was so happy that I was patient because, um, like – 15, 20 minutes into, into going through in the dealer room for the first time, I found someone with a, so my copy of number three is like a placeholder. It's literally got a piece of the cover missing. It's in, it's in really bad shape. So I found one that was in much better shape for like a hundred bucks. 
And I'm like, okay, it's the very, literally my first run through the vendor hall, which is four floors of vendors. So probably nobody else is looking for this Conan number three. I'm going to leave it. I'll wait and see how much money I spend. (laughs) And then I was rewarded with my patience by probably 20 minutes later. I found a copy that was in almost as good shape as that one. The guy was asking for 104, way better shape than the one I had. And it was $10. Oh, Oh, nice. nice. (laughs) Yeah. So that was. Huge upgrade, so I was super happy about that. Um, picked up a few other things here and there. Picked up the uh, GM screen and a module for the new G.I. Joe role-playing game. And we had a, a fan actually ask uh, – fan, that's, I, I shouldn't use that word – a listener um, – Ask us on Facebook if we were going to review the. Yeah, they just listen. They don't like us. Yeah, no, no, they they tolerate at best. Uh, But someone asked on Facebook if we were going to review the GI Joe RPG. Dave ran a quick session at Adepticon, um, but I fully intend to run something. So once we once we've actually played, um, you know, played more of an in depth game, uh, we will definitely talk about it. And I actually just got the miniatures. Uh, from Noble Knight. Quick shout out to them. They're not a sponsor, but no- Noble Knight's pretty awesome. I really like them. And they get us stuff super quick. Like I ordered these, uh, G.I. Joe minis on, I think Thursday and they came on Saturday That's from cool. like Michigan or wherever they are. The minis are pretty good. They have a lot of mold lines. Um, and it's kind of the plastic that's a little harder than like Reaper, but, um, but I think they're going to paint up pretty easily. And I liked who was in the box. There's 12 of them and it's like Snake Eyes and Rock and Roll and Scarlet and Mutton Junkyard, Lady J, Cover Girl. So a pretty good lineup and I'm looking forward to the Cobra ones coming out. So, cool. um, yeah, that's about nice. That's me. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, you know, as you may have, you know, guessed, you know, the guys have been coming to my house quite a bit, uh, to game recently. Uh, one of the reasons for that is I finally got my Wormwood gaming table. Um, so I, I bought one of the kind of or kickstarted one of the larger war gaming size tables. So that finally came. That's been super fun to, to play on. We've played some minis games on it. We've played some RPG on it now too. So that, I was super excited about that. So my next, my next adventure is finding uh, more comfortable chairs for to sit around with. Um, the tables, uh, yeah, the table's gorgeous. It's nice to um, it's it, it, you know a quick shout out to to Andy and his family for allowing us to invade every week. Um, but it's a it's and I know that this was your goal, Andy, was for us to use it. So I'm I am, but I'm I'm very appreciative because it's a very comfortable space. Um. You guys are always super, uh, welcoming and feed us and, um, it's, it's, and it's, you know, it's close by. So it's, it's a good comfortable place to go and play. And I feel very comfortable there. Justin and I keep slippers there. Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. They do. They have slippers here. Uh, but I appreciate that. And that was the, that was the kind of the big goal with the basement anyhow. So, um, yeah, I've been doing just like Dave, uh, doing some rearranging, took a quick drive down to Ikea, uh, but, uh, but another organizer try to kind of get things going down here. So, but that's been a lot of fun and that's, uh, yeah, that makes Tuesdays, uh, you know, quite a bit of fun. Um, you know, I did finally paint some of the stuff I brought home from Adepticon, which is, you know, I, I painted up the Armada stuff and some rumble slam stuff, but we'll, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, as we get into the main segment. Under them simple, get to the weapons, use them any way you can. I know you won't break the rules. There aren't any. 
Let's just jump on over and start talking about um, what I'm referring to. You know, it's our our Thunderdome segment here, but uh, you know, this is it's been the age of minis uh, recently for us, right? So you know, we over the last few years we've definitely kind of migrated away from board games quite a bit uh, to minis, uh, and then it's always kind of trying to find that sweet spot for minis games too. Uh, you know, we heard talk of Matt with the Marvel Crisis Protocol and a little bit of what, you know, keeps me away from it. Um, but we've, we've had a chance to play kind of a number of uh, different minis games over the last couple months. Uh, we just wanted to talk a little bit about the, the games we've been playing, what we like most about them. Um, a lot of skirmish games um, in here, either kind of small groups, um, you know, and they kind of run the gambit of different styles. Uh but we wanted to start talking about uh, a game that Ian, you know, had heard about and really went heavy into at Adepticon and talked a little bit about it uh, in our last episode. But I think all of us have had more time to play it now. Um, really wanted to talk about Rumble Slam in a little, little more depth. So, Ian, why don't you give a quick overview of Rumble Slam? Yeah, I, I, so I'm, I'm very thankful that you guys went along with being willing to play the game because I, I didn't know about it and I, I probably mentioned this on the Adepticon show, but, um, was talking with a couple of the guys that, uh, were on Terrace's Geek Nation Tours, um, group for Adepticon and we were talking about wrestling and I was like, oh, there should be a good wrestling game and they were like, you don't know about Rumble Slam? And so TT Combat, who makes it, uh, was at Adepticon and had everything there. So I tried not to go too crazy at Adepticon, although I wish I had, uh, in retrospect because some of the minis are harder to find in the US because they're UK based, but, um, but I, I bought the 3D ring, the, um, MDF, uh, ring and a few of the, the box sets of wrestlers and, Thankfully, these guys were willing to play. Unfortunately, Matt has not played yet, but um, everybody else has. And it's uh, the the easiest way to explain it is it's pro wrestling meets Blood Bowl. Um, you have a team of wrestlers. You know, there's a certain amount of um, money that you spend to hire your your wrestling team. Um, and then there's multiple ways to eliminate wrestlers. You can throw them over the top rope. You can pin them. So we've been playing kind of free for alls with uh, last team standing. Um, just a really clean rule set with um that's super fun there's a lot of it it captures kind of the the craziness of pro wrestling but it's also that great kind of beer and pretzels you know you cheer and uh you know there's big reactions at certain dice rolls because the way it's built is that um if you're trying an offensive move both the wrestler attempting the move and the one with, uh, you know, that's kind of the defender get to roll dice and it's possible to reverse things and, and so that the one being attacked can actually end up taking a bunch of damage. And so it seems like every time we play, there's all of these, you know, like kind of crazy things that happen. So I'm just very happy that you guys were willing to, to give it a try. And then even more happy that you guys really, really seem to enjoy the game a lot. Yeah. yeah we've been taking it for you. Well, I appreciate. That. Well, what are you? Yeah, so Dave, obviously you you jumped in with both feet as well, um, and I, I know Ian says you know he we're humoring him by kind of playing it, but I, I think to start, I think to start, 
I think yeah. I, I think you guys legitimately enjoyed it, and that's why you went out and bought minis. But but I did wonder. I'm like, oh, am I even gonna? I knew I knew our buddy Ryan would play because he's he's like my wrestling guru. But um, but I wasn't sure if I could get you guys to play. Yeah, no, I mean, I think um, actually thought the to be honest, the the models and packaging looked really cheesy. So I was like, ah, eh, can't be good. Um, and they do another game called Circus, not Circus. Um, oh yeah, I know what you. Um, I'll find the name. Yeah, so they do another game, and and um, actually thought the models looked good for that, so I should have should have um, should have assumed that their other models were good. But anyway, it's it it's just a fun game, but it's not just like throwaway fun. It's it's got enough tactics to keep it interesting. Um, and I ended up buying my own team of uh, of rats, and um, and the models are really nice. They're fun to paint. So. Um, I like that because I like any game where, uh, or I think I, I tend to like games where each character can do something different. So, you know, each wrestler that you bring to the table has a slightly different move, but in general, they're all kind of doing the same thing. They're, you know, they're, they're hitting or bouncing off the wall or jumping off the, um, turn back. I was going to say turn style, but I knew that wasn't <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're all kind of variations of those same kind of moves, but they either get like a little bit better defense or they hit a little bit harder or can go a little bit further. Um, so, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I think it's a solid fun game and there is something about, um, using your ring too, like the, the fact that it's, you know, got the strings and it just, I don't know, kind of makes for a fun little, I don't know, what's it take? 45 minutes to play a game? Yeah, yeah, and visually, yeah, it's, I think having the ring, cause it does, the starter set comes with a, a neoprene ring, um, but, um, yeah, I do, I do think having the MDF ring adds a lot to it. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I just me, want, oh, sorry, go ahead, Sino. Uh, yeah, I like it, um, it, it fits into our group well because like, uh, Dave just said, the matches are relatively short, you know, it's less than an hour for a match. Um, it's very, very cinematic. And that kind of leads into my next point, which is the way that we play, right? You're like, we like to play casual. You just throw your guys up. You do some moves. You have some fun. You do whatever's more cinematic. Like, it might be best to try to body slam this guy over here. But you can, like, pin this guy over – maybe pin this guy over here and get, like, a nice shot of it and rile off the crowd, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I think that's that's an important thing, too, right? So I think the rules are pretty tight, right? So, you know, you have – Bronze dice, silver dice, gold dice, they have, you know, as you go up in kind of what we consider quality, you have more chances of success on those dice. Um, you, so your, your characters are pointed out kind of based on some of their abilities, the number of dice they get. Um, but as Dave mentioned, you know, they, they all kind of play a little different. Right. And they, they add enough variety in without kind of having, you know, special rules, right? They, they just have special, their moves might be special, but they're not, you know, they have a free rule book, right? You can download yes. the rule book yep. for free. Um, so it's, and there, the other thing I like too is there's a lot of variety, right? So the way, Dave played with some halflings one time and they played a little bit different than his rats. You know, first time I played, I had some, uh, I think I had some like orcs and, and ogres. Um, I went in with the cold bloods now, which are all kind of dinosaur themed. Um, and they're just there. It is. It's a lot of, it's a lot of fun without it. 
and you it can be swingy like your dice just like any other game but you don't you don't feel like even when it gets swingy that it gets that swingy right you know the the fact that I might be throwing two bronze dice and you're throwing two silver dice, you know, sure you should statistically have more chance of success, but you're still rolling, you know, you're still rolling dice and, and it can change. And like Justin said, you know, Hey, I could just do the easy thing and pin this guy, or I could climb up on the ropes and, you know, bounce across, you know, and nail a guy on the other side of the board just cause I can't. Um, and I think that's, that's been a lot of fun. Um, and I know for the most part, we just kind of do kind of a last man standing and stuff. And I know they have some tag team stuff in there and that might be fun to try, but I think, and this gets back to, you know, things that we mentioned already, you know, we kind of, it's, I think it's a step up from beer and pretzels, but not much, right? It's, it's pretty close. Um, and it's a little bit of tactics, but a lot of fun. Yeah, and the, the themes, the minis are pretty good, and they paint up really well with contrast paints. I've painted, I have, I'm trying to think, I probably have 40 or 50 wrestlers at this point. They're all painted, and they were all super easy to do. But, yeah, they, and, and they have fun stuff. Like, there's some based on real wrestlers. Like, there's a dwarf named Ronnie Salvage who looks like uh, Randy Savage. Um, there's a goblin that's like Yoda. There's um, there's just some fun theme stuff. Like Andy mentioned, he's got like dinosaurs. Uh, one of them is called T Flex. Um, there, you know, there, there's just some some fun stuff with there. There's I have um, I have a goblin um, tag team. They're called the Knob Goblins, and they look like um, like backwoods hicks. Like they've got like wife beaters and and jeans and and caps on. <laughs> and so um, there's just tons of fun ones. There's um. There's Fang, who's essentially Blade from Marvel. Um, there's the Greek, who's like Leonidas from 300. So there's just tons of tons of theme, and they're all they all play differently, and and it's fun to make the combinations. And um, so I, I I think overall they've done a great job with just the overall package because it could have it could have failed in any of those areas, like the minis might suck or the um the gameplay might suck or, you know, but everything, you know, it's, it's not a, it's not a game that's going to win uh, a ton of awards and be like a huge <laughs> hit nation, you know, worldwide. But, um, but for what it is, it's a ton of fun. Right. And I would say at this point too, you're the, you're probably the one in the group that is still into kind of professional wrestling, right? You know, I was into it for a bit, uh, when I was younger and then when I first got out of college, I was watching it again with one of my buddies. Um, but I, I don't, you know, I don't watch or follow, you know, professional wrestling at all anymore, but you, I think this does a pretty good job of kind of giving you the feel for that style of, of wrestling. Yeah, it um it absolutely does. It because that, but that's what's great about it is that like I I don't watch WWE, I watch AEW. Um uh but as a wrestling fan, I get a lot out of the game, but even you guys that don't watch can still uh enjoy the game for for what it is and and just kind of the crazy over the top um you know, uh, things that happen within the game. Yeah. But that's definitely, you know, it's, it's got its own, its own style. I know you mentioned it's a little bit like Blood Bowl, but I think that's more just in kind of the fact that. The fantasy element, yeah. Yeah, the fantasy element, but it's also kind of the named, uh, casinos that are sponsoring the, the teams. Um, and there are some kind of, uh, inducement-like things and stuff. And, uh, but I think, I think 
it's a it's a great little minis game without a a ton of uh complexity but it offers a lot of variety and fun um but yeah so we've been we've been playing a bit of rumble slam i um, wanted to sorry andy i wanted to see yeah. what matt if just if matt had uh, matt had taken a look at the minis or um or anything like that with it with rumble slam um not really i mean i saw I never, never even really saw you guys play. I caught the last five minutes of a match where I think Justin beat the crap out of one of Greg's guys and won. But oh yeah, it looks like a fun game. Yeah, we'll have to get you playing because it, yeah, it's super fun. Uh, definitely one to bring to Nerd Herders Winter Retreat. Yeah, yeah, I think that will work well there. Now, um, we've the the four of us have also been playing some other minis games so. We um we came off of a, a Necromunda campaign that I think suffers from all of the kind of things that can hurt a Necromunda campaign, whether it be you know trying to get enough matches in per week to teams kind of kind of running ahead of others, and you know personally I was looks. yes yeah uh, personally I was looking for something to kind of you know, take that place. Uh, Ian and I will talk a little bit about Vanguard later, but, you know, was really hoping for something that was a little bit kind of story driven and stuff. Um, and our friend Terrace Cassidy talks about Frostgrave all the time. Uh, it's one of his favorite games of all times. Um, and, and we played that and it was okay, but I think I was still trying to kind of scratch out it with a little bit of sci-fi in there. Um, and Ian, Ian had been, um, you know, given a, a copy of, uh, Stargrave. Um, and I had, I had actually gotten that rule set a while back too. So we went back and took a look at that and man, that really was able to kind of scratch that itch for a, a, a minis game that was a little bit more tactical than something like Rumble Slam. Uh, but at the same time was kind of very, very story driven, um, but nowhere near as complex as something like uh, Necromunda, um, and and did it in a way that was also interesting, a little less competitive too, right? Um, to me, it was there was a lot more story to it, um, and so to be honest, like that was you know for me so much fun being able to kind of get that out. On, onto the table. And again, a fairly simple rule set with a good amount of variety. Now, Dave, I think you've probably played the most games of Stargrave. Um, so I'm really kind of curious to kind of hear your thoughts. Um, no, I was going <laughs> to say Stargrave for me, like, um, I still, I still love like the first time I, I, I think the first game I ever played like this was more time. Um, and I love a game where you have like a because it gives you this combination that we were just talking about with Rumble Slam, where like you've got a leader who's got like some unique special abilities, so you get a little bit of that like RPG character flavor where you where you can use your imagination and kind of like you know play the person you want. Um, but then you get a little bit of the easy to manage like soldier piece where like, you know, you've got a bunch of, of people who are backing them up and in Stargrave, um, you get a, a co-pilot or whatever they call them. Um, first mate, first mate. So you get your captain and your first mate. So 
I don't know, it scratches that itch where you're getting to play, you know, skirmish game, which I really like, but your character definitely um, has some personality, um, whether, you know, you go with somebody who's more, like I went with like a really robotics dude, which let me, you know, put some robots in my war band and I can do some cool things that Andy loves, like pop out a drone and then shoot my <laughs> magic lasers out of it. Um, and uh, I think they've got, They've got like a mist. Is it a mystic or? Um... Yeah, there's. Um, uh, I'm trying to see if I have well, a book here. There's there's quite a few options for building your captain. Yeah. Right, right. So you can go. You can go the uh, what I would call the serenity route, right? So you can have Mal, right? You can have a veteran of a conflict. Um, you can go the Han Solo route where you're more of a smuggler. You can go, like Dave was saying there, like the mystic route where you actually have some psychic abilities. Um, they really do let you build any kind of sci-fi kind of trope that's out there you could even say the the mystics are almost kind of like jedi like you know with the in terms of those mind powers um, yeah i have them all if you want me to run through them real quick oh that's up to you um you know i think the important part is that they're giving they're giving you variety but that's primarily on your captain um and that's one of the things i really like about this game is re- you're really just investing in two characters, right, and but, how those two I, characters progress. But you also really, I think it gives you a good variety in how you build your warband, too, because your soldiers that make up the rest of your crew are pretty varied. You can do everything from, like, a, a techer that, you know, that can um, hack into the um, – because there's different kinds of loot. There's physical loot, and then there's digital loot. Um, so you can pick ones that can hack into those things. You can pick a medic. You can pick, like, specific um, – Soldier types like, uh, you know, a sniper or like a, I have like a hand to hand guy that has two swords. So I feel like I feel like they do a great job with the variety for your captain. But I also feel like you can build really wildly different um, overall crews as well. Yeah, I, I, I think the crews are there to like flesh out, you know, and either play the to the strengths or to fill in for the weaknesses of your, your captain and, and, uh, first mate. Um, and they do, they do have some variety and some of the expansions add a little more variety in there. Um, but I, you know, I think if, if anything, that's, you know, they're designed to be a little bit vanilla because they're not, they're not really getting any better, right? They're, they're really designed to be those secondary characters, you know, in the adventure. Um, but like you said, you know, there's enough of them that they're not they're not boring. Yeah, for yeah. Sure. I will. I don't, I don't know if um, if you're looking for imperfections yet, but I will say just yeah, go for we, it. Well, I, you know, and I don't want to gush over the game because the the the, the it, it's super fun and I do enjoy it, but I do think it falls prey to um, the game that we had where it, it can drag on. It it doesn't have a um, doesn't have a natural endpoint, and you can find yourself. I feel like um, it can drag on a little bit, right? And and I, you know, I think if you added a bottle mechanic or a, a routing mechanic or something where one of the one of the teams, you know, fell away, like those mechanics have their own problems. But that would be my only flaw in the game is that I wish it either had some sort of natural count or 
like a turn count or timer, you know? Yeah, and I think some of that might have been scenario design, too, because I think some of the scenarios have more of that. Um, I also think that coming out of a game like Necromunda, where it is much more about, like, killing the other guy, and if you run away, you're penalized. Um, this is a game that it doesn't matter if you run off the board, right? Like, if you if you get a piece of loot and then run off the board, you know, there's only a set number of loot out there. And grabbing the loot and getting off the board, even if you only grab one and your opponent grabs three, is a viable option, right? Whereas Necromunda, if you try to leave before anything's done, you're penalized. Like, you're penalized hard. And I think it started to learn from that. So, you know, that game, Dave, where I got stuck in the middle – yeah, that that was a little tough, but at the same time, like, I could have looked at that situation and been like, why am I even bothering to go in there, right? Like, they're, like, I think that game is designed to say you don't have to, you don't have to make that hard decision like that to, to go in and try to kill everybody and, and get that one last piece of treasure. You can if you want to, uh, but there's going to be consequences to it. Yeah, I, I would like to say too, um, real quick, a, uh, a thank you to Osprey Games because they, thanks to Terrace, they have been sending us a few things here and there, um, for review stuff. And I contacted them, uh, and said, Hey, you know, we're real interested in, in giving Stargrave a try. Would you help us out with, um, you know, whatever you want to send along? And they sent a nice box that had, um, a couple of the campaign books. It had a rule book. It had a bunch of the minis that, um, Dave and Andy and I split up. Uh, sorry, Alex Brothers. Um, and, um, so that, that was very kind of them to do that. Um, and the, the minis, I just want to give a quick shout out to the minis. The minis are made by North Star military figures. Um, that's, I'm not sure what their whole name is, but I think it's just North Star. Uh, but they are, they remind me of the old GW multi-part kits. Like you get a sprue with like enough to make, each sprue has like five, uh, minis on it, but the way that you can make them, there's way more heads, there's way more arms. So we could all take a box of 20 of these minis and put them all together and none of us will have built the same mini. There will be no exact duplicates. Um, they go together real well. They paint super fast with contrast. They're not a GW quality, like high level detail, but there's tons of cool stuff you can throw on like packs and, you know, data pads and pouches and grenades and weapons. So I, I had a ton of fun paint assembling and painting those minis so much so that i went out and bought they sent us a crew to one which was i think all female um bodies and heads so i went out and got like a mercenary sprue and uh a trooper sprue so i ended up building and painting like 20 or 25 different minis so um i i think they're really well done and i, I like them a lot and there are some uh, metal ones that they sent us that i thought were pretty good too yeah we should say too this they is were uh put together yeah, this is a Joseph McCullough, uh, game, or McCullough game. Uh, and he does, he also did Rangers of Shadow Deep, which, you know, was one of my favorites. Um, you know, in terms of, you know, a game that allowed me to do minis, um, and allowed to, allowed me to play co-op. Um, but yeah, for whatever, so Stargrave kind of really was, for me, a great replacement to Necromunda. Cause don't get me wrong. I had fun with Necromunda, but it, it, that one just, it felt like it got away real quick. And 
it's you know you're you're trying to manage all of all of these characters um and i i also think too that the scenarios that they wrote for stargrave you know are fun they're they're fun narratively and they go in you know you can kind of play them in order and they're they they do a good job of making the game i think more enjoyable you know Dave and I did one where, you know, there's, it's a medical lab and there's, you know, on, there's a random chance that in the medical lab out of one of the med beds, a zombie's going to jump out. Um, you know, and he played another one against our friend Rafe Granger where, you know, there's just waves of zombies coming at you and you've got to get to the center of the board and dive down, you know, a hole, you know, and part of that too is then trying to grab treasure, but, Again, I think there's this whole element of, you know, it's not about necessarily killing your opponent's guys. It's, you know, maybe stopping them from getting the treasure, but a lot of it is just trying to get your own treasure and get out of there. And that's, and that's really how they, they kind of organize it, right? You're, it's all about trying to steal the, steal the treasure and get out of there, um, which, which I think comes from their other game, Frostgrave, which we've also started to play a little bit about. Um, but to me, um, it was, it was fun to do it in a, in a sci-fi setting. Yeah. I want to, uh, hear from Justin and Matt too, who they've had a chance to play a little bit. But one thing I did want to say about the Necromunda campaign is that I, I love Necromunda. I will always play Necromunda. That was the very first minis game I ever played. I love the world. Um, I, I think it's a great, setting um so i'm always happy to play it but i was so frustrated with the current necromunda rule set because we literally needed three books three rule books you needed like the the, i had like the book that came with the the base game then there's like the hardcover rule book you can get and then i needed my um my own particular goliath book and it just and it didn't feel intuitive to look up a rule i'd be like i have no idea which book this rule might be and i'll try and find it and that was very frustrating. Yeah, yeah. I agree but, with that. but it is, it is super fun. I mean, I, I think it's tough because the models are great and fun. Oh but yeah, yeah. Even to um, just well, I know we got to give Stino and Matt a chance. I just wanted to say too the 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 thing that you were talking about, Andy, is I feel like Stargrave is. Like where Necromunda has so many rules and tries to like make everything fair and everything balanced. Like I think Stargrave's a little bit less maybe fair and balanced, but it's definitely more like if you go into it like, hey, I just want to have a fun time rolling dice and maybe getting a couple cool like cinematic memories. Like I think all of McCullough's games do that pretty well. <laughs> Name it. Yeah, it's super, super swingy too, um, because it is on the D20 system. Twice I've had my captain one shot killed, but, but I'm okay with that because it's, that's just how the game goes. Cause you're, you're rolling a D20 and adding modifiers and, you know, it, it, it's, it's not hard for those nasty one shots, but maybe, maybe in a lot of ways that's more realistic. You know what I mean? So I, that doesn't bother me. I know it could be a, a, a roadblock for some people to play that. And, and I, I don't, I think. To, to make a game competitive and balanced, you do have to have a rule book for every faction. Um, but that's all about, and that's what people complain about with 40k now too, is, you know, 
it's a simple game that just has 24 rule books. Um, but it well, has with 40k, you need a, you you need a book for every k now. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's exactly. the new motto. Yep. Yeah, yeah. A book One for book. every k. <laughs> um, but you have to do that to to balance the factions and and you know and and have them kind of be equal while still having you know a variety. You know, I think in a game that's not designed to be competitive, there's not a point system in Stargrave, right? It's it's about your own personal progression. Um, and they do have rules and, you know, suggest other house rules for balancing games if one player's played more games than someone else. Um, but even then, like, the dice are so swingy. It doesn't matter. Um, and I think that's what I like quite a bit. Now, Justin, you got to play at least one game, right? Yeah, I played one game against Ian. Um, and that game, I feel like uh, he really felt the swinginess of it. Uh, you had terrible, terrible rolls for most of that game. I threw several of those D20s away. That's what they were. But if I, if I remember correctly, like your captain died, or well, was killed on the battlefield, right? And a couple of your, a lot of your guys died during that game. But it's easier in this game afterwards for, like, you know, Necromunda, you have to roll on the injury table and a guy could do this, that, or the other thing. But it seems like there's a lot more chance to just, for the guy to just recover. Right, after yeah, over 50%. Yeah. yeah, and your soldiers don't really advance anyway, so even if you lost one, you could, in theory, you know, replace them with the same type. So, um, so it kind of yeah. just feels like a, that, like with the stripped-down rules and there's not a bunch of factions and stuff like that, it kind of just feels like a friendlier uh, Necromunda, almost to me, like an easier, just friendlier game. Um, I did enjoy it. The scenario was kind of cool. We just had... Well, it wasn't really like a – was it from a book or just like a – I don't remember. Yeah, we've played all stuff out of the books. I, don't, I mean the one specifically you play where – yeah, okay. When you – you know, our main objective was just to go and collect these tokens, but then zombies start popping out of stasis pods because it's kind of like uh, they were in hibernation sleep. Yeah. Up in space, which I thought was, you know, a good little sci-fi element there, and they started attacking me. The zombies started going for you, and I did – I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, that was out of the Quarantine 37 book. Um, that's the great thing is their, their campaign books are very thematic. You get a lot of bang for your buck because there's a good, like, I don't know, maybe at least a dozen, um, different scenarios in there and it'll add things like new captain options, new soldier options and different rules like that. Um, and they're, I think those campaign books are like, they're soft cover, but, and they're not super big, but I think they're only like 15, 20 bucks. So. Yeah. Another thing that I liked that I found appealing was, like, you know, it's not a very involved, complex universe, right? Like uh, 40K is, for example. Like in Necromunda, you have these certain factions, and each faction has their own type of guy because they're like these well-established societies or different things and, you know, with all kinds of different equipment that's special to them because they're Eldar, they might get this or that or the other thing. Where in Stargrave, it's kind of just – there's no specific, specific faction. So, like, we, we don't, we're not too picky about models in our games that we play like substituting stuff. But for my Stargrave faction, right, I just took my Gene Steeler cults because I love the models and stuff and the lore behind them and just made them Stargrave, you know. So I'm using the same models. I swapped out some weapons so they match the team. But, you know, you're just free to do that with this system. Yeah, we've used Star Wars Legion minis. Um, I used cultists from 40K in my, in my first match. So that's another thing that's great about this and Frostgrave is you can take if you've got a ton of Reaper minis or, like I said, Legion or Infinity or any of those. You can you can use whatever minis you want. Yeah, and I just wanted to echo a point that Dave mentioned earlier, like his fault with the game was that it does seem to drag on. 
like in our game for the for the final like two or three turns, you had like two guys left, and it was obvious you weren't going to win the game. And I had like I think I had only I had only lost like two out of my ten guys. And, you know, we just had to keep going and going and going until eventually it was over. But like, but uh, I think that's the limit would have helped. That's part of my point from before is we're so used to having a game where you have to beat the other guy. Yeah. This doesn't have that. So it's taking a little bit. It took a little while for me to get that, right? So like the game where Dave used his little, um, hovering droid to zap my leader, I got annoyed, but then I realized what difference does it make? I just got to try to grab somebody to grab the treasure. Like this, this wasn't going my way. Me running off the board doesn't necessarily give Dave that much more, right? And the game just rewards you for playing, right? You, if, in fact, I get points if my guys get wounded, right? Like, and so the fact that guys are more survivable, there are this two different types of soldiers that you can take that are absolutely free. So even if you had no money, got every single one of your better soldiers wiped out, you can still bring a group uh, with you the, the next game. Um, they're not going to be as good, but they're not going to be that much worse than the other player because the other players' soldiers aren't kind of scaling up. It's really just two characters that scale up. Uh, but Matt, you got to play as well, right? Yeah, I played one game with Dave, um, which was fun. Um, same, you know, same kind of thing, right? When, well, when Dave and I played, we said, okay, we're just going to end the game now. Right. We sort of picked a turn and said, that's how far we're going to go. Um, I, I, it's, it's a fun game. It's neat. Um, it definitely, if, you know, Necromunda, I think is a good game, but you have to, there's a lot of setup before you're ready to play. Right. We, we kind of tried to wing it when we did our campaign and it didn't really work. Right. You need to go through it and figure out how, how you're going to do different things, how you're going to get games in, but, with this, if you were to do this, you know, since it doesn't really matter because only two guys get better, it's not that big of a deal, right? Whereas in Necromunda, every single character can can get better in the game, so you need to find that balance with um, everybody that's playing. Uh, it was, I mean, I would say, you know, if I was to compare it, I would say this is like the, what's that game called? Ticket to Ride, if... Necromunda was scythe. Okay. Yeah, I yeah. can appreciate that. That's yeah. deep for Matt. Yeah, that <laughs> is. That uh, also makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, super light. You know, it was fun. It was quick. It's And like you said, it doesn't – Necromunda, right? You, I mean, we've seen it happen, those games, like, where your guys, your best guys get killed right away and you're, you're kind of screwed for a few, few rounds or the whole campaign. But here, it doesn't matter. Irrelevant, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now you still can lose your captain. I think Dave lost. Did you lose your captain or your first mate, Dave, right off the bat? Uh, I can't remember, but yeah, it's worth, I guess it's worth saying, like, they, they can die, but it's super forgiving. Um, so again, to compare, like, in Necromunda, if you lose your leader early, you're totally hosed. In this game, the nice thing is, Early on, if you get bad luck and they die, you pretty much just get to replace them. So you can either bring back the same person if you wanted to, or you can just kind of rebuild. Um, if it's later in the campaign, the nice thing is you 
you rebuild it, but um, like let's say at 20 levels, you just lose a couple levels. Like it doesn't totally hose you. So it's yeah, you're not hard. starting over from scratch with some guy that and you haven't invested, I don't know, whatever, 10 games and, and 600 credits in, in one guy who now is just completely gone. Right, right. Like, and yeah, even though Dave's guy does something a little different than mine, like I, like the second or third time I'm playing Dave, I, I can understand what his guys can do, right? Cause all rifles shoot the same distance. All pistols shoot the same distance. Yeah. Um, like it's all, you know, you can get a little variety as you start to go forward, but it's not that little variety is just a little extra. It is. Yeah. Like the variety, like I got a shotgun that shoots 12 inches instead of 10. And that's like, yeah. that's easy to say to your opponent versus like, like if you play like Steno and I was playing your, um, uh, gene stealer call, right? Like your weapons are totally different. I have no idea what they do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, and they're OP. Oh, so definitely, uh, I, I'm definitely having fun with that. I, and I think that's an easy kind of campaign. Um, um can I, can I jump in real quick, Andy? Yeah, for something yeah. with, I just want to, so, so one thing I wanted to say real quick with Sargrave is that you can play it solo, which is nice because the format of the game is how a turn works is you have your captain phase where you activate your captain and then up to three of your other minis that are within three inches of him. Then you do the same thing with your first mate. Then the rest of your soldiers go. Then there's a fourth uh, section of the rule uh, – or sorry, of a turn where the independent creatures – it could be the zombies that came out of the stasis pod. There's like there's like all kinds of other things that can can show up. Um, so, so you can actually play it solo. Um, I've not tried it, but I, I do like that aspect where it gives you – um, in the base game, you know, with two players, three players, four players, it tells you this is what happens with these independent creatures that are out here. You know, if they see somebody, they move towards them or they shoot or whatever they do. So you can totally play solo, which I think is um, I think is a nice little bonus for it. Yeah. Uh, the, the one thing I will say that I, you know, we for all the gushing we did where you can use kind of any minis. I will say that there's creature selection. Um, <laughs> the bestiary, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Is it's probably the one piece where it's just I, they went a strange way. They they went in a direction where I'm like, that doesn't sound like any model I've ever <laughs> owned or ever seen. Right? Like you can you could stretch your imagination a little bit, but I was like, you know, they did such a good job with so much of it that then all of a sudden I'm like. Well, I hope we're only playing with zombies because I don't have a space rhinoceros. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. And I'm not joking, this weird. is a space rhinoceros. Yeah, because with Frostgrave, we, we looked through. We actually spent a little time at Andy's one night going through all his Reaper Bones stuff because Frostgrave has that, that bestiary with all the stuff that could come up, and we were able to find everything. Like, okay, here's an ice troll. Here, you know, here's this, here's this, here's this. Um, yeah, the, and it's cool that they've got all these creatures that they created for Stargrave, but you're, unless you want to customize something or 3D print something, you're just going to end up with proxies for those, which is, which is fine, but it's, it is a little bit, you know, a little bit weird. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so I think, I have, you know, pretty positive things to say. Uh, I haven't had a chance. So I, I read through two of the expansions, um, both the um, um, Last Prospector. 
and Quarantine 37. Uh, just got a copy of Hope Eternal. Hope to kind of jump through that. Um, you know, that one, they kind of start off right at the beginning saying, hey, you can jump right from Stargrave into, you know, Hope Eternal. It's not introducing any new characters or any new rules or anything. Um, so that that's um, – I'm interested in that as well. Um, I'm looking forward to playing a little more uh, Stargrave, although – I did have a lot of fun playing Frostgrave um, as well, and I and it had been a long time since I'd played that, and I know we're on the 2.0 rules. I'm not sure what the difference was, but I seem to have more fun when we played that the other day. So unless you guys have anything more with Stargrave, we can kind of jump jump ship into another. Joseph McCullough. The the one thing I thought of Stargrave too is it's it's pretty key well, you could say I guess you'd say special ability heavy. And they weren't quite as intuitive as I thought they were gonna be when Dave and I were playing. But you just have to look them up, that's all. Yeah, yeah there's yeah, there, I, I see what like, you're saying with that too. Like uh like the one I had, sorry, was like um twin gunfighter or something, and I was like, oh, well, that probably just means you can shoot twice. So he spent five minutes looking at it, but nope, you just have to no, the extra, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, there's the, yeah, some of the naming stuff, I, I agree, and I think, and and this ties into Frostgrave too, I think you're, and this could just be me, but I, I feel like with, with all the games we've played, I don't think the captain and first mate abilities come into play nearly as much as the wizard spells do in um, in Frostgrave. But that, well, that yeah, might a lot, be me. A lot of the abilities in, at least with the list, your list I was using when I played, they take like an action, and it's, um, there's a lot, it seems like there's a lot of abilities that would have been cool, but there's no practical way to use them. Um, so. I, I would definitely say two is Stargrave, and I know Ian, you right, love running your leader up front. I really get the sense that they're the captain. And as the captain, they're kind of sending people in and, and kind of helping out. Um, they're able to hold their own, but there's a reason why they have kind of soldiers to kind of, to move in. I've, I've found that most of the powers that are in there. Now, there is one thing about the a big, di- big difference between Stargrave and Frostgrave related to that powers too. Stargrave had that real, they have a really cool mechanic where when you try to activate one of your powers, you get like a free three inch move. Uh, which I thought was really kind of neat because, you know, it's a simple rule set, but basically you can move and then do another action. That other action could be a move, but you're always doing at least a move. Um, if you can, um, you can't fight twice. You can't, you know, Shoot power and fight. You're you're always doing kind of a move and something else. Um, so to be able to kind of get an extra little move out of a power too was kind of fun. See, and I, that's what I think was weird is like I had some abilities that were like, oh, you know, add like you can shoot better, but then it's like, okay, so I got to wait a whole other turn before I can use my I can use my power to make myself shoot better, but then I got to wait a whole other turn before I can actually shoot better. Oh, that's interesting, Matt, because I thought of that spell is much more like you're giving one of your soldiers the ability to shoot better. I think the one I it might have been specific to my guy, but anyway, yeah, I don't know. yeah, but yeah, but yeah, Ian, I think you had a good point there with Frostgrave. So Frostgrave is another uh, Joseph McCullough uh, property. Um, plays 
very similar. I know it's, you know, we're on Frostgrave 2.0. Um, you know, I think years ago we had all played Frostgrave. We know our good buddy Terrace really likes the game. Again, it's a, it's a very similar system where it's kind of, it's D20. Uh, you're building a, uh, a, a kind of a wizard type. Uh, you're picking a couple different kind of colleges of magic to pick spells from. Uh, and then you're bringing a, an apprentice along with you. And then you're building out uh, a war band based on, on different soldier types. Um, you know, there, there's the kind of the heavies. There's kind of the more agile, uh, you know, ranged guys. Um, I think there's a little more simplicity uh, with something like Frostgrave where it's fantasy than there is with sci-fi um, in terms of the soldier types. But, man, there is a much bigger variety, um, but also kind of not necessarily – I don't want to say pigeonhole, but, you know, you are a little bit more restricted in where you go with some of your spells, I think. Um and kind of how you build build it out, but um, I certainly enjoy playing Frostgrave as well. Uh, Ian, what did you kind of think in terms of Frostgrave? You know, playing this now, playing it after Stargrave. Yeah, I I really I tend to like fantasy a little bit more. Um, so I was excited to play Frostgrave. Your wizard type is uh, what selection you make there is very important, and and I think to what you were saying about it kind of being more limiting. In Stargrave, almost all of the abilities that your captain can have are available to all the different types, whereas in Star uh, Frostgrave, you pick your wizard is like, you know, a necromancer, so his main spells come from the necromancy domain or chronomancer or whatever, and then you have an opposed one that you can't take anything from, and then a few that are like aligned and neutral, so you end up with a with a pretty good chunk of different spells, but your main choice of what kind of wizard you're going to be is, is a huge decision, because that kind of informs your play style. Yeah, yeah. I definitely, definitely agree. Um, I think Indeed. to your point though, it's a little That's bit right, easier, right? Like, like, I, I don't know why. Maybe it's just because, like, <laughs> I mean, it's probably because fantasy is fantasy and you can use your imagination where science fiction, like, somehow I feel like we're bound by things that you can explain with science. But I mean, like, it, it just makes more sense in fantasy, like, the, the, there are witches, right, which are brewing potions and doing cool things or, you know, necromancers or, like, it just seems like there's a little bit more flavor that way, whereas in Stargrave, um, yeah, it's like, well, I'm a robot captain who shoots a gun or I'm a, you know, old soldier that shoots a gun mostly, right? Like, there there wasn't a ton of, of variety there. Um, I, I do think... For me, Andy, you were saying how we played it before, and I don't remember it capturing my attention as much. I do think having played Stargrave and kind of figuring out that it's not a it's not a combat mini game, it's a scenario driven, objective based mini game, kind of helped me with um, Frostgrave a little bit because I was I kind of went into it like, okay, like I'm not a wizard going to fight another wizard. I'm trying to accomplish this little scenario and get off the board um, helped me to enjoy it a little bit more. I thought our scenario was fun, too. We played one where there was a mausoleum in the middle, and uh, skeletons kept popping out, so they were the 
you know, the ones that were not, they were controlled by the game AI and not us. Um, and so that added a, that added an element to it because, um, I think there was a skeleton that took out like one of my, took out my apprentice or something like that. So, uh, I thought the, the, um, the actual scenario we were playing was, was pretty fun too. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that's, that's common between both of these, right? Like there's a lot of work that went into the scenarios because, they're focusing more on making a game that that will work with a variety of scenarios and to just keep writing new scenarios um, as opposed to having something that's very like rule heavy and, and and Dave to your point like it can get unfair right like where right. where you end up coming in you know especially playing a three player kind of version of it you know it's a little, it's a little tighter, but at the same time, like, I can't imagine, like, like, three player Necromunda, really. Like, that just, I know there, there are rules for that, um, but usually it's telling you that two people are ganging up on a, on the third, right? Where this I, is just, yeah, that's a that's a great point, Andy. Sorry to cut you off there. That that we've played a bunch of three player with Stargrave, and and we played our Frostgrave game with three player. I don't find that it lacks at all when when you add another player to it. Um, it's still because the you know the objectives around the board are, are spread out, and everybody's trying to to get there. So I I didn't feel like there was any ganging up. It was just a free for all. Well, and I think the game balances that way too, right? So the number of kind of treasures that are out on the board, you know, is, is generally, you know, based on the number of players that are there. So there's always one out there and then there's usually two more for, for each kind of player that's out there. So with a three player game, sure. Could one player conceivably get a lot more of the treasures? Yeah. But as soon as you see him doing that, like that's, when you might try to stop him from doing that, or you just kind of get your own and get out of there. Um, and I, and again, I think that's, it's that idea of you're a wizard going into a forgotten city, trying to find treasure. There happens to be another wizard there too, and you're going to bump into each other and you're going to maybe try to stop him from getting treasure, but you know, you're not, you're not in it to, to kill that other wizard. In fact, it's even if you kill him, it's more than likely he's coming back anyhow. It's true. Now, Justin, did you get to have you played? You didn't get to play Frostgrave recently, right? I played maybe one game when we first tried it years and years ago, but nothing since. Yeah, yeah. Fortunately, no. And and again, I think we'll have to see because I I definitely like Stargrave. the The one thing I will really say about Frostgrave is. There's less shooting, right? And shooting can get in any kind of skirmish type game like that. Shooting, shooting can get tough, but man, hand to hand in all of these games is brutal. So I think Frostgrave is going to move like much faster because once you get into hand to hand, Ian can tell you skeletons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because everything's a, everything's an opposed role. So it can very quickly turn for you. So yeah, I, that's a good point, Andy. I didn't think about that, but you're right with less shooting and more hand to hand, uh, minis are going to come off the table a lot quicker, which will speed the game up. <laughs> we should mention uh, Ghost Arch- Archipelago too, just real quick that that's one that Terrace really plays, which is essentially Stargrave, Frostgrave, the same rule set, you know, uh, Joseph McCullough, but it's uh, more pirate themed. 
Well, me and Dave played that. Um, we, Dave and I were going to play at a, we're going to play in a tournament or a fun game out at Adepticon. So we put that together. And what's funny is I remember Ghost Archipelago being more fun than Frostgrave before we played the Frostgrave 2.0, uh, because it felt like I was building much more of a themed army rather than a themed kind of wizard. Um, cause it is, it's much more, I think it actually is a much more like swashbuckling element. Like you're, you're based on a ship and you're, you're stopping on these islands. Um, and to me it was, <sighs> That idea that I was kind of a pirate going from island to island looking for treasure um, had a much better theme than, like, I'm a cranky old wizard going into a frozen <laughs> city. Like, yeah, like, that seems like real life to me. <laughs> yeah, I will say theme-wise, though, for and you can do this with Stargrave, too, depending what minis you want to do. You can do whatever you want for a theme. Like, I'm actually painting um, another Frostgrave warband that's uh, almost all uh, Yuan-T. Snake men minis from um, Reaper, um, just because I was like, oh, it'd be cool. There's no rules for them to be snake men. I'm just using snake men as whatever. Like I've got one with a bow that's an archer, and you know I've got one with a that's got a big fireball that that'll be my spellcaster. And then I'm gonna supplement with like um, some bugbears and orcs, and I've got like a, a little goblin wizard that's gonna be the apprentice. So so you can do what you want with with that as far as theme, just like. With Stargrave, you can you can make aliens, and you know there's no specific rules for different alien races, but thematically you can make them look whatever you know whatever you want to whatever you want to paint or or play with. Yeah, I brought anthropomorphic characters. <laughs> yes, that's right. Huh? Um, yeah, so I, I definitely looking to forward to playing some some more Frostgrave as well. Um, and it sounds like Dave the the fantasy theme. Is a little more appealing to you than the uh, than the sci-fi. No, Dave's usually a sci-fi guy. Yeah, no, it's not. I, I would say it's not that it's more appealing. I think it's just more. I think it's easier to digest. It's like that suspension of disbelief thing. Like, I mean, okay. you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I love. I mean, I'll play sci-fi all day long. But to your point, like, if I'm sitting down and I'm building a list, like reading through the Frostgrave book and looking at the different types of wizards was definitely more like. Oh man, like, like I was reading them and like thinking of all the minis that I have in my display case, like, oh, I could use this one and I could use this one. Whereas like reading through the Stargrave book, I didn't, I wasn't like, wow, these character concepts are so vastly different that I picture them differently, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, it definitely makes sense. Well, those three, um, have kind of been the, the, the mini games that the majority of us have had on the table for, for the last few months. Um, Ian, I know you briefly wanted to mention kind of two Mantic games that you and I also had a chance to play. And, and Dave actually got to play a little bit of uh, um, Armada, uh, but me and you also got not only got to play Armada, but we also got to play uh, Vanguard as well. Yeah. I just wanted to touch on them real quick. Cause we really haven't, had a chance to go as in depth on them as, as we have with the other games that we talked about. But at Adepticon, there was one that really, I will say personally, like at 
Adepticon. I love stopping by the Mantic booth because our buddy Pat is there. But also, I I like all the Mantic rule sets. Like I've really enjoyed. I enjoyed Dead Zone, even though it didn't you know it didn't get a ton of play in our group. I've enjoyed it. All their rule sets, everything I've played for Mantic, I've really enjoyed. So when I saw that they had a a seafaring game with with ships, um, I was like, oh okay, this looks interesting to me because it's always nice to paint something that's different than you know a wizard or you know a um you know a sci-fi piece or whatever the, these the the ships in armada are very nice very nice sculpts they paint up really well um andy's already got all of his painted My, mine i went with um empire of dust uh which is like an egyptian themed undead so they have all these cool like egyptian statues and iconography on the ships um so that was one that once i saw it and we did a, a demo at Adepticon, I was like, yeah, all right, I'm buying into this. Matt bought some ships, Andy bought some, so I was like, okay, I've got people to play against. Um, it's got a very clever initiative system that I really love, which is where the wind is blowing from a certain direction, and it might change each turn. You, like, roll, and it could go, you know, uh, like one click in a different direction. But essentially, you, uh, the way the wind, wherever it's coming from, you just kind of sweep across the table and look and say, okay, this is the ship that the wind will hit first. That ship goes first. So super easy, um, very, I, I think, very thematic. So I liked that. We played, we tried to play a four player game which um i think didn't quite work as well um and i you know rules wise we didn't have the rules down but i like you know your crew there's boarding actions andy's got like grappling hooks on his um uh, uh orc ships so thematically and rules wise i think this game is really strong and i really really want to play some more um i don't think it's one that will bust out a ton but i know that like if i've got a saturday free i can say to andy hey you know are you doing anything can i come over and we'll play armada and um and we'll have a good time doing it so um i i'm looking forward to playing more and i like that it's a little different than than everything else we play as well i have two comments well question and a comment one is you said that uh it intrigued you because it was a seafaring game with ships and I was just curious if there are other seafaring games that you've played that don't have ships. Um, no, no, they're okay. not. They're not. Also, uh, I just wanted to say that I generally don't like spaceship games or ship games because I get bored moving ships around. But this game was fun because it was pretty fast and loose and light, and I like that. So. Yeah, and I, I like their speaking of movement, there the way that they that you move the ships is pretty good too. Ships either have a um there's one of two different templates and you set that on the base behind the ship and that shows you how much you can turn. Um so very simple. Um I think everything is in the rule book is pretty straightforward. So um yeah, over overall I I liked it a lot and I like the I like the ships. I think they're really nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to playing again. Um, you know, I've got all but, I think, one of the orc ship types. I don't have their biggest ship. Um, so, you know, may, you know, if I see it sometime, I might, I might pick it up. Um, it was, to me, it's, it's a, it's a fairly light kind of ship game. Um, to Dave's point, I get, I get bored very quickly. I tried all of the, you know, the other ones are kind of the steampunk ones that we, we tried before. Um, 
what was it? We had Uncharted Seas that we played a campaign for with Craig. Yeah, so there's Uncharted Seas. I tried that one. I liked that one. Okay, I thought that was. Yeah, cool. I had the dwar- I had the dwarves for that, and then after that there was like the steampunk one that also had planes too. Yeah, I had the old uh, Games Workshop Man of War. I had that for a while, and um, uh, Matt was supposed to play with me, and he never did. Yeah. But yeah, so I'm looking forward to playing that again. Um, and then the other one we, we had a chance to play, um, you know, also from Mantic was, um, Vanguard, which uh, again, you know, I think is a little, a little more rules heavy. Um, and you're, you really are picking kind of a, a faction. Um, yeah, if, if Star, if, uh, Frostgrave doesn't have enough theme for you, then Vanguard is a good option because it's a, it's a fantasy skirmish game and you select a, a faction. There's everything from, you know, there's a couple different undead, there's, you know, orcs and goblins and like knights and paladins and all that stuff. So definitely. And Northern Alliance, which I bought, just so y'all know. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll, I had a good time. Andy and I played a couple games. One thing that it has that I really like is there are command dice. So for different, um, warriors that you hire, they might add command dice to your pool of different colors. And then the, like, I think blue is the best and there's like white and, um, and so you, you roll your command pool at the start of a turn and then you spend those command points to do Special things. It could be, you know, have a, have a mini move a second time or, um, heal or things like that. So the command dice give you some flexibility and you're also able within the building of your faction to determine, you know, just how many command dice you're going to have. Um, the overall rules were, were pretty good. Um, I think the scenarios looked good. There's one that has like a, a giant, um, that you have to hunt and bring down. So Andy and I played a couple games and I, I had fun with it. So I would definitely play it again. Yeah, I I think this is another one too where it's a little more competitive than Frostgrave, but still super heavy on demon scenario or scenario, I should say. Yeah, um, that it's it's really designed to kind of run through kind of uh, sets of scenarios. I, and again, I think it's what they're trying to do is just give you something that is a light, a little bit lighter than their than their full. Um, kind of tabletop battle game, uh, which now I'm forgetting the name of, um, Kings of War. Kings of War, right. So, and, and bringing it down more to, uh, to a skirmish level. Um, so uh, again, I, I had fun with it. I bought some new models for it. I, I think th- that's the only tough part about it. Like that, you know, I think we said with Frostgrave and Stargrave, what we really like is you can literally use whatever models you have lying around your sci-fi models, your fantasy models, it's a little bit more specific with um, with Vanguard. There's a little bit of flexibility in there, but um, depending on and that, some of that depends on the faction you take too. Like you, and I think you took a faction that was a little bit kind of more generic, um, and it allowed for a little bit more flexibility in there. Yeah, I used Reaper. I've used Reaper minis. Mantix minis are good. I do like their minis, and you can certainly get specific ones, but I went, um, I think I played the, like, Paladins and Knights faction, because I have a bunch of those from, for Reapers, so, yeah, that's what I went with. Um, we should probably mention, too, that, you know, buy-in for, for these games that we mentioned is, it's pretty low for all of them. Um, Rumble Slam. I wanted to just say that for Mantic, too, because, like, 
you do have to buy it, but I got a Northern Alliance Vanguard army for 40 bucks, maybe. Yeah, their, their starter set is a really good bargain. I think it's as low as like a hundred bucks on some sites. Um, and it gives you like the rule book and you get two, two factions right out of the box, all the command dice. So, um, you know, that's, that's a pretty low buy-in. Stargrave and Frostgrave, the main book is I think $35 for a hardcover. Um, you need some D20s and then minis. Like, you know, like we said, you can use whatever. Even Rumble Slam has the, the rules are free and then you, you know, you could, you don't even need necessarily a ring. You could, if you wanted, just play on a grid. But, um, but it is not, the ring itself, the MDF one's only like 20 bucks. And then the, the, you know, a box of the minis, like five, five wrestlers in there is like 30 bucks. So but it's pretty low buy-in for, for all these games. You do yeah. need the dice for Rumble Slam. I will say that. But, yeah. but I, yeah, we've been, we've been having a ton of fun with, with minis pretty much since Adepticon. Yeah. Although, uh, you know, we, you know, maybe by next, uh, next episode we'll be able to talk about something else we're, we're bringing back to the table too, which I've been super excited about as well. But let's, uh, let's close this out first just to see if there's any more on kind of the Rumble Slam, Frostgrave, Stargrave, Vanguard, or Armada. Painting's fun. Paint more stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, it definitely got me to to paint a little bit more too. Uh, also, let me use a bunch of my terrain too, which has been been a lot of fun as well. Oh yeah, Andy, you did up the um the terrain for Stargrave and it looked real good. Like the little uh, habitat pods or whatever you want to call them, sleeping pods, and the. Oh yeah, yeah. I found those. Those were that was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, and, and again, that was you know part of being able to kind of play here on Tuesdays and stuff got me back, got me kind of organizing and, and it's night. It's fun to be able to set that up and stuff. I still like going to my local, you know, gaming store to buy stuff. You know, um, we have, we, we're blessed that we have a, a couple of them near us. Um, I actually went to, yeah, um, I went to, uh, we have a diversity gaming in, uh, hooks in New Hampshire. Uh, they have a little store. They have, a lot of um, the D and D minis, um, almost I guess so does uh, Midgard. But um, I went in there to pick up a few for um, my new D and D campaign. Um, just some that I wanted to have that don't quite have the equivalents in all the Bones minis I have. So yeah, yeah. Um, we can uh, we can wrap up here, boys. Or if there's anything else you guys want to mention, things that you're looking forward to, places you're going, um, I, I, I would just seeing. <laughs> well, I would like to say that even though I know we're going to be switching over to some RPGs and doing stuff, that I still have dreams of playing Relic Blade because that game looks fun. So, what's and Relic Blade? I, <laughs> I have it. I'm the other person that bought. Yeah, it. yeah, that was that was you guys picked that up at uh, Adepticon, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It looked cool. Oh, cool. I I almost forgot. Sorry, I got to do this because I've forgotten like five times. The other TT combat game, the circus-like one that Andy was talking about, is called Carnival. Carnival, yeah. Dave asked about it. I didn't. I was going to okay. say. Yes, yeah, no, that's true. But real quick, Relic Blade is. Uh, uh, I think his name's Sean Sutter. He, the, the cool thing about this guy is he does 
all his own drawing, all his own rules. He does all his own sculpting. Like it is literally one guy who does all the work for this game, which I have fallen prey to before, admittedly, <laughs> um, with some pretty bad games that were unplayable. But um, this game, the models are really cool. Um, they're really good looking. I don't know if it's fun to play, but it seemed fun to play. And in the in the light of like a fun storytelling type of game. And I got all the models primed up and on the painting table. Um, I just have to finish a couple other things first, but we're going to come back to that. I will say that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Matt. It's Ian. Um, (laughs) uh, I will say that that was like that game very much interested me at Adepticon. And if I had not bought into Rumble Slam and Armada, that was, that was probably the, the minis game that I was going to lean toward. I mean, you know it's going to be a good game because he calls a sword a sword, so. <laughs> That's true. And, Dave, though, I think that other mini game that you bought based on teenage horror movies, we got to play that in October sometime. So oh. I literally painted that all up, like, two weeks after, and um, I made the – who did I play that with? Did I play with the family? Your family. You made yeah, your I family say, play. I think I made my family play, which made it really difficult to judge whether or not it's any fun. But <laughs> that's the one that you got that I said I would totally try because, you know, to me that you know that seemed very beer and pretzel, you know, yeah, pretty light, you know, and I would try something like that. Done. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, as far as looking forward to. Uh, stuff. Um, also, we should kind of mention too that it, it sounds like Justin and Matt haven't played with us a ton. Matt's new work schedule makes it difficult for him to make it on Tuesdays. Um, and um, uh, coming up to switch to Thursdays. <laughs> um, and uh, Justin's had other stuff going on too. So um, you know, hopefully we'll be able to uh, get some nights where it's all five of us again. Um, so that'll be good. Uh, as far as looking forward to, we have a pretty major trip coming up in October where the D&D tour through Geek Nation tours was canceled for a variety of reasons. Um, there's a whole bunch of, <laughs> there's a whole bunch of stuff going on in the D&D old school community that you can look up if you want to, but we were trying to distance ourselves from that. Um, so what Terrace decided to do was keep the, bookings that we had to play at 330 Center Street in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, which is the Gygax house where D&D was born. Um, and Terrace was nice enough to extend the invitation to the Nerd Herders and some of our other friends um, to go and essentially have the tour, um, uh, with, but with a group of friends. And so we're doing that in October, and we've got a lot of games planned. We're going to play, obviously, some old school D&D. We're going to play some 5th edition D&D. We're going to play Star Frontiers, Marvel Superheroes, Kids on Bikes. Dave's going to run something. He's waiting for uh, – I think he's still waiting for some uh, input on that. But um, uh, I'm just – I'm really, really excited for it. I know there's been a 1,000 emails, and I think Matt's already tired of all those. And Pat, our buddy from Mantic Games, um, is going. And he called me on the phone the other night because he's like, there's too many emails. I can't keep up. Let's boil it down for me. So um, – but I think that just plays into the, that just shows the excitement level and, and the, the, we're trying to have it be organized and, um, you know, so that it's, it's very, uh, 
streamlined and everybody has a good time and um I'm I'm just very excited because I enjoy going there but I'm really happy with the group. Andy is not going to join us um so I, I wish that um he was able to but uh other than that I'm just really happy about the group that we have going and I think we're going to have a fantastic time. So that's about 4 weeks away and I'm I'm just really really excited for that. Yeah, that's the biggest thing that I'm looking forward to next. Um I haven't played many RPGs recently, but we have one that's kind of in progress, but you know, this trip is going to be all kinds of different RPGs and I'm looking forward to it. Cool. All right, I think that uh that's a good way to wrap up uh this episode. Um so again, you know, thanks for joining us. Uh hope you uh learn a little bit about some of the games we're we're interested in playing. Um Always, uh, always happy to have you guys listen in. Um, happy that we were able to record again. Maybe we'll try and do one after we get back from Lake Geneva. That'd be good. And then we always do the year end one. So who knows? Maybe we'll get a, get two more in before the end of the year. That'd be awesome. But, um, I'm, I'm glad that you guys were able to do it and all five of us were here. Uh, we've been playing so many minis games that I, I thought it'd be a nice, um, nice thing to do to kind of give our overall view because I know there are, listeners that that are always asking us about different games we're playing so thank you guys for doing that and we will be back soon until then let your geek flag fly you've been listening to nerd herders a part of the freebooters network all song and movie clips are the property of their respective owners and no challenge of ownership is implied we use those clips because we're fans so please don't sue us please check out our sponsor geek nation tours you can find us on twitter at nerd herders show and on facebook under the nerd herders podcast you can also reach us by email at hosts at nerdherderspodcast.com. special thank you to our editor and producer justin steno alex greg's feelings were not harmed during the making of this podcast